Welcome to 30 Minute Reviews. I am Adam, and we are back, and we will not have another hiatus like that again, presumably ever. So, let's discuss the thing that we've been waiting for with all of the uh, eagerness and intensity of a root canal, um, and that would be the, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Uh, for those of you who don't know, which I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast at this point, you kind of, um, what's the one looking for? You kind of are familiar with it, because I've talked about it at length a number of times on the show. I've talked about how I didn't think it was real. I didn't think that Zack Snyder filmed the entire movie and had it set to go and was ready to, you know, release it. Um, I didn't think that if it was fully recorded and ready to be released, I didn't think he would get the funding to finish the effects, and I didn't think that if he got the funding, we would get the movie to begin with. I mean, none of this makes any logical sense, um, from the standpoint of a, uh, uh, what's it called? A, uh, a, a production company, a, a movie studio, because, like, Warner Brothers has, like, almost nothing to gain from this, but, like, everything to lose. We'll, we'll get to that more later on in the episode, but, um... Movie came out. Came out a week ago today. Um, watched it, sat with it, digested it, um, got to know it, um, and then today they dropped the Justice Grey edition, which is the black and white edition. Um, I don't understand this trend of releasing big budget movies in black and white. Like, it somehow makes the movie better. Um,. Because, like, they did it with, like, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, they did it with Logan, and now they did it here. And it's, like, it feels like kind of, like, for a DVD release, it's something that's, like, cool. Like, oh, this is different. Not every movie does this. This is a cool, like, but like kind of like having, like, the commentary track on a movie. Like, you you kind of, it, it, you're, it, it, for, like, a movie like Logan, it kind of meshes well with what Logan was, considering Logan was a, you know, kind of like a Western um, so it kind of meshed well. Um, what was the other one that I, I mentioned? Um, uh, Mad Max Fury Road was a, a deeply visual movie. And, and you watch Mad Max Fury Road and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a, a master class in visual storytelling. Because there's almost no dialogue in that movie and yet you get the motivation. You completely understand it. And you see the entire, everything kind of makes sense. Um, so like it's, and the way the color palette is in that movie it kind of changes everything. Justice League continues Zack Snyder's trend of, like, saturating out every bit of color he can from the movie. Like, like I, I get it's a stylistic choice, but, like, it, it doesn't do anything for me. And then going from that to a black and white edition, again, doesn't really do anything for the movie. It's no different than if I watched the movie. Like, I watched the base movie, and I was texting Peter... Um, who was, you know, former co-host on the show, uh, I was texting him while I was watching, and he said, are you watching in black and white? And it, was, it wasn't out, and I said, I might as well be. Because the color's all washed out, and it's like, yeah, like, the, the theatrical had its problems, but, like, it, like, say what you will about Joss Whedon, he doesn't shy away from showing the color, and it's like, Superman wears a vibrant, bright blue and bright red costume. Like, Wonder Woman's colors are the colors of the American flag. It, it's just kind of weird that, you know, he goes, I was going to wash it all out, and it's like, it makes it look more mature, forget all that. Um, now, here in 
does the movie substantially change with the Snyder Cut? Is the question that was the fundamentally asked. And, and the, the point of the Snyder Cut being released is to see, does Zack Snyder get exonerated? Can we say that Zack Snyder was not responsible for the failings of Justice League? And, and that's a complex question. A lot of the reviews that came out about this movie were like, it is leaps and bounds better than a theatrical. And to that I'll say, of course it is. It, it was bound to be better than the theatrical. And I was never someone who said it wasn't going to be better than the theatrical. It's the, that's not the question we need to ask. Because not every, I would say the vast majority of movies in the history of cinema don't get a chance to ask that question. They don't get to ask, well, if we did the movie the way we wanted to initially and didn't get to call this audible, is this movie going to end up being better? Like, most movies don't get that choice. Like, occasionally you'll get a movie with a director's cut. You'll get, like, um, the Donner cut of Superman 2. You'll get, like, the, um, the uh, well, I mean, the, the director's cut of, um, what was that one? Of uh, Batman vs. Superman. Um, there are other movies that have had director's cuts before. And almost without question, the director's cut makes it better. It's longer, but it's better. Um, because most times, the studio doesn't want to invest the money in putting that out. Recutting the footage, fitting it back in, and, you know, doing that. It's, it's, it's rare that something like this happens. So we can't compare it to the theatrical. That's not what question we're looking to answer. It's not, is it better than the theatrical? It's, if this movie came out in 2017... When the theatrical of um, when the theatrical cut of Justice League came out, would this have been a better received movie, and is, would this have you know not been as poorly received as the theatrical cut of Justice League? And you can't answer that question because fundamentally, the Snyder cut of Justice League could not have been released in theaters because there is no way that after Batman vs Superman and after um, after people didn't like the third act of Wonder Woman, and after people didn't like Suicide Squad, there's no way you can release this movie in theaters at four hours long and expect people to go pay to see it. I'm sorry, that's not happening. And, and I'm, I'm like, I'm someone who's in the bag for this stuff, and I, I want to see it succeed. And you, you could have, it would have been a hard sell for me to go and see this movie in theaters. Now that said, let's look at what this movie could have done to have been released in theaters. And I think all it needed to do was the sequence that takes place on the Gotham Harbor, where the League all kind of forms up, and, uh, well, I mean, the League minus Superman all kind of forms up to fight Steppenwolf down there. And he gets, you know, and uh, he, before he before uh, Superman gets resurrected, that's the cutoff point. And you make it into a two-part movie. You could have done that. Because that's, that sequence happens right around the two-hour mark. Um, and here's the other thing. There should have been more planning going into this movie um, to have this movie come out and not have to spend so much time developing Cyborg. Because the amount you need to know about Cyborg for this movie is not fitting for a Justice League movie. It's like, when, when you look at like when Marvel does it, they didn't jump right in with Thanos, because there's a lot you have to build on to get to that point. And building up the new gods and saying, okay, we're going to do the New 52 origin of Cyborg, 
where it's a mother box that gives him his powers, that's all well and good, and, and that's fine. You could have done that, but do that in a solo movie about Cyborg. Like, had you done that, and Cyborg, and you had a Cyborg origin movie, you could have taken all of that screen time, put it in its own place, so it could you could develop it more fully, because here it kind of gets shortchanged, because again, it's in a four-hour-long Justice League movie, you need to set up the mother box, you need, there's still a lot of ground that needs to be covered, even in a four-hour-long movie. And this movie doesn't quite do an excellent job of, like, it, it, it's, it tells you just enough to move on, but then there's, like, these nonsensical scenes that are, like, we're just trying to set up other things. Like, okay, why is, um, what's it called? Why is uh, Kiersey Clemens in this movie at all? She has no lines. Okay? That sequence with Barry Allen where he runs through the glass and to, um, to save Iris. Number one, if we didn't know, if it wasn't announced that she was playing Iris West before this movie came out, we wouldn't have known that she was playing Iris. Like, it would have been something that people were theorizing about. Like, oh, is that girl going to end up being Iris? Like, well, because on the CW, they raised Ben to Iris and, you know, Candace Patton plays her on the CW. So, like, is that something that's happening here, too? And it's like, well, we know, we know because they announced it. Yes, that's what's happening. And, again, we don't need to see... Um, Barry talking to Henry Allen because it's a Justice League movie. And that's one of the things that, like, um, I remember when someone asked um, Lawrence Fishburne about if he was going to be in Justice League, he said very plainly, he's like, look, I'm, I love comics. I've, re- I've read comics all my life. When I pick up a Justice League comic, I do not care what Perry White is up to. And it's the truth, because Perry White has, like, if I'm going to read a Justice League comment, a comic, I want to see them fight, fight, like, Star of the Conqueror, or, like, Steppenwolf, or some cosmic-level threat that one member of the League can't handle on their own. They need to, they, they need to unite for this. There needs to be something big that it takes more than just one guy or, or a Brave and the Bold team-up to handle. Like, this needs to be big, and I don't, and, and like you said, I don't need to see Perry White. But that's the thing with this. It's, it's kind of like he had... It's like a kid playing with his toys where it's like he has all the toys. He can do whatever he wants with the toys. And he has the option. Like It's like just because you can do this doesn't mean you should do this. Like you don't have to use every single one of the... Like every single like tool in your belt when you're you know building a house. Like, you don't have to pull the chainsaw out. You don't have to, like, you, you, you can, you can, you, it's okay to leave some things out. It's like, we don't need to see, like, at the end of the day, Barry's backstory with his dad, where his mother's dead, his mom, his dad's in jail for her, um, for his murder, completely irrelevant to the story. And that had a reason to be cut. Um, at the end of the day, if you're trying to get this down to, uh, like, I would say two and a half hours based on where we were with receiving Snyder to begin with, uh, going into this movie, because he might in 2017, he was not the most loved person in the comic book community. He had a small subset of fans, but, um, he wasn't, there, there wasn't a deep-seated love for him the way there is now. Um, and it kind of feels like it's like, well, you gotta... Choices need to be made. Fundamentally, choices need to be made when you're making a movie. Like, 
you love everything. You love everything you, you shoot. You love everything you write as, as the writer. But at the end of the day, not everything's going to make it to the screen. Things have to be left on the cutting room floor. And it's like, when they announced that like, Jared Leto was going to be reprising, I'm like, why? Why is Jared Leto in this? Because who needs the Joker in a Justice League movie? And he he shoots that scene, and he shot that scene after the uh, after the announcement. He, he shot it in his backyard during quarantine. He said, or he shot it he shot it during quarantine. I think he said he would have if he had to shoot it in his backyard with a green screen, but he got the studio to sign off on it somehow. Um, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, so the Snyder Cut wasn't done then. That's what I'm hearing in this. Like, because had it been done, you would have had this scene shot. And his attitude for why that scene needed to be in the movie is something else that bothered me. It's, he's got this very elitist streak that only what he does matters. It's kind of a narcissist streak in him where only what he does matters. Where he's talking about, um, like, we made an entire cinematic universe without an interaction between um, Batman and, um, and the Joker... And I needed to shoot the scene to correct that. And I was like, you created a cinematic universe. No, you created a trilogy. Because the only movies that you made were Man of Steel. You made um, Batman vs. Superman. And then you made Justice League. That's three. That's a trilogy. Okay? You made a trilogy of movies. Okay? You didn't make a cinematic universe. You made a trilogy of movies that follow one plot line. That's... Like that's not what a like a cinematic universe is like. What they were trying to do at Universal with the uh, what they called with the uh, the monsters. What they're doing at Universal with the um, with uh, Fast and the Furious. Uh, what Marvel does. Uh, what Star Wars is building towards now that they're you know doing it. Where it's things don't always follow a set trajectory. Where it's like not everyone's going toward the same thing. But these other wider stories are all interconnected. And he didn't do that because he didn't have another movie in between. Uh, that was, like, not related. It was, a, like, Man of Steel happens, and because of Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman happens, and then because of Batman vs. Superman, that, um, the, uh, what's it called happens? The, uh, the third, the other one. Like, uh, Justice League happens. You didn't do anything in between to kind of expand the world. And, and what was done to expand the world in between, Wonder Woman and, you know, everything like that, and, and Suicide Squad, just keep in mind, we're not gonna look at it within the broader context of what's come out since. I'm going to omit Shazam. I'm going to omit Birds of Prey. I'm going to omit, like, all of that. Because that's that all happened since Snyder left the... What's it called? Since Snyder left the uh, the movie. Um, uh, le- left Warner Brothers. Because he, he wasn't involved at that point. He may have been a producer, but he wasn't actively involved in the way that he was for Wonder Woman and for Suicide Squad. And in Suicide Squad... There is an interaction between Batman and the Joker, if I'm not mistaken. Um, because there is a car chase between the two of them. So you're omitting things that you weren't... You, you're, you're diminishing that which you weren't directly a part of. And, and at the same time, you're like, well, you know, I didn't do it, so it doesn't matter. And then his whole thing about, we're going to see the Flash do something we've never seen the Flash do before. And it's a good thing he qualified that. With, we're going to see something the Flash did the Flash has never done before. Because what the Flash does in this movie, in the third act, is he he runs so fast he turns back time to um, to defeat, you know, so that way they can defeat Steppenwolf in time. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, 
Well, had he not qualified with, we're going to do something that the, we see the Flash, something we haven't seen the Flash do before, I'm like, that's how Superman and Superman, the movie, you know, the one that the uh, the Snyder fanboys all hate for being too happy. Yeah, that's how that movie ends, is, you know, Superman, the, the outcome doesn't go in their favor, the Superman turns back time, saves the day, and that's, like, okay, but let's say it's just something that the Flash has done, where he goes, turns back time, you know, to, uh, to, to do it. We've never seen the Flash travel through time before, except for the fact that the New 52 is built on the fact that the Flash travels through time because one of the seven crisis-level events, Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis, Hyper Crisis, Final Crisis, um, Flashpoint Paradox, Multiversity, and um, Dark Knight's Metal, Dark Knight's Death Metal, is, um, is built on the fact that... Um, the Flash travels through time because it comes out of the Flashpoint paradox. So that's not right. Um, we've seen, and if you want to say you haven't seen them do it in in live action because they did a Flashpoint paradox, you know, uh, animated version, and they also he also that's how uh, the reboot happens after um, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War is Barry travels back in time and that reboots the universe back to Man of Tomorrow, um, which is you know the adaptation of. Um, Max Landis's Superman run, um, and and here's the, the the problem with this, with this elitist look where it's like, well, I didn't do it, so who cares? Fundamentally, it like it, it diminishes anyone who doesn't have a direct impact with you, and it feeds into the kind of rampant fanboyism that is that like dominates. The, um, the, the DC, more than Marvel even, where DC is kind of built where it's a, uh, like, a beast that eats itself. It's a snake eating its own tail, where it's like, it can't even keep itself straight, where it's, it doesn't, they, like, you know, they, within themselves they're fighting, the fan base, where it's like, well, I like the TV shows and as such I can't like the movies, or I like the comics and I can't like the movies, and I, like, just like what you like and shut up. Like, it, like you don't have to constantly like. I remember back when um, Supergirl came back for uh, season five, and they had they were um, that, that that scene that they released. Like any time they released a scene on the Twitter account back last year, or uh, what was it last year? Yeah, last year, um, pre-COVID. Oh no, that was two years ago, man. Holy crap! But pre-COVID, when they released the uh, the Martian Manhunter versus his brother uh, Malefact, um, it's like, oh, the effects look so bad. It's like, yeah, it's a TV show that had a twenty million budget to do twenty three episodes. Like, slow your roll. Like, yeah, they recycle running animations for Barry because it's cheaper to do that than it is to have him, you know, redo it every time. Um, and I, I think that what we need to, what DC, like the fan base, we need to do is kind of unite, like. How crazy is it that we have a Flash movie taking the Flashpoint paradox and the Flash TV show happening at the same time? The Flash movie has Supergirl. We have a TV show with Superman, uh, Superman headlining, uh, Superman and Lois, and people aren't happy about that because it doesn't look as good as the because uh, it's not doesn't look like the Snyder verse. Like it, like just deal with it. And now there's a new movement because you knew this was going to happen because the, it, it, fundamentally these are all children who are upset. And now it's restore the Snyderverse, make it canon, and let Snyder do his his other movies. And it's like, here's the thing: a four hour long movie released on HBO Max is fine. 
because I can watch it at my own pace. And the movie's even divided up where you can watch it at your own pace, and there are designated stop-off points. There's an exit ramp every 40 minutes or so for you to, to step off and, and say, I'm going to take a step back, and I'm going to, um, you know, go go to work, take a nap, um, watch something more, you know, uplifting, like a funeral for a puppy or, you know, something like that. Like, I, I, there, there, there are points where you can, you know, step back from what you're watching. In a theatrical release, you cannot do that. Now, you can make the case that they can do it on the budget they're doing, say, the Green Lantern Corp show or Justice League Dark show or, um, like over on Disney Plus, the, the um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier or WandaVision or The Mandalorian. Um, but that's a gamble on their part because from what metrics have been released, and there is no Nielsen for this. Nielsen isn't quite, like, there's social media engagement, but that's heavily skewed where, you know, that's, you know, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier wasn't born out of a coordinated fan effort for this show to happen. It was Marvel Studios saying, we want this to happen. Like, this is the next part of our story we're going to tell. Um, now that Captain America is retired, you know, what happens next with this role in the universe? How are we going to move forward with that? Um, and it wasn't a coordinated fan effort to bring the show back. It was ju- It just happened. Like, it was, they announced, we're making this, and it was like, alright, cool. Um, so, like, you can measure social media engagement, but even in that, the Snyder Cut still loses out in social media engagement to other shows. So, is it worth sinking 160, 170 million into letting Snyder, uh, make another four-hour-long movie that is just gonna be, you know, more of what we saw here? And I, I, I don't know how much of the critic response... I didn't look too deep into the critic, you know, numbers, like, for, for like, you know, what each review said. It's like, because I watched the movie. I, I sat through the whole thing, and I, I'll give it this. It doesn't feel like four hours. You don't feel like you're sitting down for four hours when you sit down and watch this movie. Um, and that's been a lot of long movies lately. Like, I haven't watched The Irishman yet, but, like, Endgame didn't feel like three hours... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't feel like 2.45. Um, <clears throat> the, the Rise of Skywalker felt every bit of two hours and change it was. Um, but this movie didn't feel like four hours to its benefit. Um, and, it, it, and maybe it's because these people who have seen it and are now rating this are, rela- are rating it against the yardstick of what you know, the theatrical Justice League was. And that movie was a pile of dog shit. There's no getting around it. We can't look at, you know, the theatrical ju- uh, Justice League and say that there's really anything redeeming about it. Like, and, and anything that was redeeming about it came from Snyder, as far as we know, like, from what we can tell. Because I'm assuming, like, that there, that Snyder's not lying about the fact that, you know, he didn't use anything he didn't shoot. I'm gonna take him at his word on that. Um... Like the the like the, some of the best sequences in the movie, like the sequence of um, uh, what's it called, uh, the, the the Justice League versus Superman after he gets resurrected, is uh, it's a great fight. Like that that shot of uh, the Flash kind of running around him in, in Flash time, and um, 
Superman just kind of seeing him and turning his head, it's like, yeah, like, like that, like, that's, it's such a great moment because like, the Flash has never been confronted with this. But again, that moment would have more meaning if we had a movie prior to this setting up who the Flash is besides a post credit scene and starting in the middle of the third act of Batman vs. Superman. Like, if we had that moment to set it up, it would have been more impactful. And that's what I feel a lot of the problem with this movie is that because it was kind of like we want to have this movie come out and we want to have a big blockbuster crossover movie, um, we just kind of want, we want this now. This needs to happen now. Um, and there was a, a fundamental, I don't know what caused it, but there had to be a push between Snyder and the studio and for whatever reason the studio was unwilling to tell Snyder what the problem was that's the only interpretation I can come up with for what happened behind the scenes coming from what we had to this because there's nothing egregiously bad about the Justice League Snyder cut compared to like Batman vs Superman and like you know um and Man of Steel, which, you know, they, they're cool movies, but they don't feel like the character. There's nothing like that here until you get to the epilogue, where, like, Batman is, you know, you know, Batman's like, um, I'll fucking kill you. Like, that. there's never been a phrase uttered by Batman that was less Batman than him saying to the Joker, I'll fucking kill you. Like, I've never, cr- like, I've, I've seen some cringy things in movies but I think that was one of the worst. It, 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 like, it feels like a seven-year-old. Like, it feels like a seven-year-old. Um, but I can't quite wrap my head around what would have caused this to happen. Because it's like, had they get said, like, this movie's too long. Like, when you look at, like, um, what I see in the theatrical compared to the, the Snyder Cut is they took a four-hour-long movie and had to compress it down to two hours. And the only other time I can think of where that happened was compressing down during production... Um, I, I, actually, the script was written and they were in pre-production on um, Dark Phoenix. And Dark Phoenix was going to be a two-part movie because you need two parts to tell that story. Tell the story of, um, of the Dark Phoenix side. It, it, it requires two movies. Um, so that ended up getting compressed down to one and they had to scramble because they had already... St- they, I think they were just entering production when Apocalypse came out. And Apocalypse bombed. And they will, both with critics, with fans, and the box office, they're like, you know what, screw it, we're going to do one more movie, and then we're going to reboot it from the ground up. We're going to keep what the fans like, ditch what the fans don't like, and we're just going to reboot it, build it from the ground up. It's like, alright, cool. So they did, we're going to do one last movie, they put Simon Kinberg on to direct it, had him be the one holding the bag when the entire thing fell apart, and then, you know, one, one thing leads to another, and the movie comes out, and it's a pile of dog shit. But that's what, looking at that, looking at what we got, and then looking at what um, uh, what the Snyder Cut was, that's what the theatrical feels like, is that they brought someone else in to kind of, you know, finish that. And I, I just kind of feel like the... Um, there has to be a reason that we don't know that the studio was unwilling to tell them, look... How can we make this work? Because at some point, the studio has to like look at the script. Like we're making a, a Justice League movie, and it's gonna be a big tentpole film. It's gonna be our our fall release. 
like our big fall release for Warner Brothers is going to be Justice League this year. We need to like look at the script and be like, hey, this is fine. Like, this is good. This is bad. Uh, this is ugly. We need to figure out what we're going to do for this movie. And they, for whatever reason, when he hands them a a a, a, a four times sixty would be uh, twenty four uh, two hundred forty page script. They hand it to him. They, he hands it in, and they're like, "No one's like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I like it'd be normal if you hand uh, no two forty yeah two forty page like if you handed him like a three hundred page script, like I'd be like." You're going to cut some of this, right? You're going to film all of this and then when some things don't work... Because that's the thing, too, is you write some things into a movie and then when you film it in reality, you're like, oh, that looks awful or that doesn't sound right coming out of their mouth or like this, that, the other thing, and you end up ditching it. Like, if you look at Star Wars, like, that sequence um, that you now see on, you know, if you watch it on Disney Plus or on DVD or something, um, that sequence where Han confronts Jabba at the, uh, like, at the Millennium Falcon in the original Star Wars was not in the theatrical cut of that movie. That was in the restoration that came out, um, in 92, 97, no, 97, because it came out alongside, um, what's it called, um, Phantom Menace. Um, when that came out, they added that scene in, and you can tell that that scene's added in, not only because Boba Fett's there and Boba Fett wouldn't be revealed until the, the holiday special, um, but also because we didn't have any idea what Jabba looked like until Empire Strikes... Uh, I'm sorry, not Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Um, but we... There's um, all the information that's relayed in that scene, the dialogue between Han and Jabba, is changed where Jabba's being referred to in the third person in the scene with Greedo and Han. And when you watch that scene, it's a very small scene, very tight camera angle, and when you watch it, you can see... Um, that, like, uh, that it's, it's designed where all of that's kind of happening in one spot, and it's easy to, uh, and it's, it's designed to just relay all the same information while they cut the scene. So, handing them a 240-page script should have set up some red flags immediately. They should have been like, okay, get him in here, we need to talk about this. Like, and had they said, like, look, we, we can make this into two movies, and it sounds like, alright, that's fine. You can do your entire movie the way you want it, but we're going to divide it up into two movies. Like, I don't see why that wasn't relayed as an option. Because there's nothing egregiously bad in either what would be part one or what would be part two. Like, it's still, you know, perfectly passable. It works perfectly fine. Um, they would have been substantially better received than theatrical, both parts. And the, um, what's it called? Like, you just gotta kind of come up with a way to taper it off at the end and, you know, pick up at the beginning of the other one. Like, you, you, you could have done that, though. That was an option on the table that, for whatever reason, wasn't used. And I'm not 100% sure why. And I'm not sure we're ever gonna get an answer as to why. Um, was Snyder, did Snyder refuse to let his, his movie be divided up into two and be forced to shoot scenes he didn't want to? Um, because really, Let's be honest about Zack Snyder for a minute. He is a very... How do I put it diplomatically? He's got a, a, uh, a unique style. And you can pick out a Zack Snyder movie by watching it. Um, you can pick out 300. You can pick up Sucker Punch. You can pick up 300 Rise of an Empire. Man of Steel. You can look at his movies and you can tell it's a Zack Snyder production. 
that said, he, how do I put this? He's never made a movie that was well-received based on his own writing style, his, his own original content. Because the only movie he's made that was originally and wholly Zack Snyder's was Sucker Punch. And that's got like a three on Rotten Tomatoes, three out of a hundred. Every other movie he's made is based on something else, be it uh, Guardians of the Owls movie, be it 300, 300 Rise of an Empire, those both based on comic books, um, Superman, uh, I'm sorry, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman Justice League are all based on existing DC Comics properties. Um, his first movie that got him his big break was based on Dawn, um, Night of the Living Dead. Yes, Night of the Living Dead was his, his first movie that really got him, you know, notoriety. He got, that was his first movie, was Night of the Living Dead. Um, so, he, he doesn't quite, and, and it, it really is a case of diminishing returns, because since 300, it's, like, it's been a case of diminishing returns. Like, there's a certain multiplier you attach to Man of Steel, because it's, it's a Superman movie. But you, you kind of have to look at it in that regard. Like, okay, how much movie would this have? How much money would this have made if it was just like Zack Snyder makes this movie that's similar to Superman, but not like had it been Zack Snyder's *Brightburn*? How well would that have done? Um, and, and and that's a, a question that needs to you know kind of be addressed. Is like how how much can we look at this and say this is Zack Snyder's? You know, this is Zack Snyder's. Ability to pull in as a director compared to this is like what we think, like what, like how much is it, is it um, the name that's attached to the movie before you even get him attached as a as a director? Um, and I feel like there's something else I wanted to address with this. Um, I just can't remember what um, with the Snyder cut. Um, Oh, um, one final thing, the, the faux, um, what's it called, the faux, um, like, the pseudo-intellectualism that is pervasive in all of Zack Snyder's, um, like, movies, uh, for DC, like, you know, oh, the V in Batman v Superman is the, the Latin that means to have issue with, like, um, the this is what happens if we take Batman and push him too far, and it's like, yeah, and it's like Batman with a gun. It's like, well, he has no other choice, and it's like the, the ultimately the worst Batman that we have in the comics, um, which is like the the base for Batman v Superman, um, which is the Dark Knight Rises, has Batman refusing to use a gun in it. He he calls it the coward's weapon, um, and ultimately we see that continued here, where it's like. The question that I was left with after seeing Batman vs. Superman is, why is the Joker still alive? Because if this, like, that, that like, a death in the family ultimately ends, it, it ends kind of anticlimactically, where the Joker ends up the ambassador to Iran, so Batman can't kill him, and Superman talks him out of killing him, because it's like, he's got the my community, you can't kill him. And it's kind of weird that they end it that way, and they could have just had it where Batman is like, I'm not going to sink to your level, which is kind of, like, what, what, what it's meant to do, but... You know, the 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 ambassador to Iran is kind of a weird choice, but either way, um, like that's an, a a startling mem- uh, moment of character development. Jason Todd's been bludgeoned to death with a tire iron 
by the Joker. You know the Joker did it. And you are not going to take that revenge. Because that's not what you do. Fast forward to... After Man of Steel, where, you know, his building gets destroyed and people he worked with get killed and, you know, he, he has no choice but to kill Superman. I can buy that. I can, I can, I can, I can accept that as a, a step that he, he feels he needs to take to kill Superman. I cannot accept the willingness to kill other people, um, or, well, I, I can't accept that as a... Um, what's it called? As a as a logical next step in a world where he made that choice in the past to let the Joker live. It's not a sound character arc because if his adopted son, and that's the thing too, is they really drive that point home in in the Snyder cut in that scene at the end with uh, Batman and the Joker. Um. And they really drive that point home. Where he's like, I killed your adopted son. Like, the Joker says that to him. And, and like, he's like, oh, I'm not going to kill you for that now. And it's like, mm-hmm. it, this doesn't feel like the same Batman. I can buy that now. I could, like, if that happened after Man of Steel, or after Batman v Superman, and after that, then Robin got killed, I can buy that. I can't buy that Robin died before that and the Joker's not dead. Because that should have been the moment that caused him to snap. If that's, if Batman can snap and go to murder. That should have been the moment, not the moment where, um, you know, not not what happens in, in the at the end of Man of Steel and the beginning of Batman v Superman in the flashback. We'll leave with that. For this week, uh, well, for, for this episode, um, tomorrow or at some point this weekend, I will have our next episode up. It's going to be about uh, last year in Star Wars and early this year in Star Wars, um, as we lead into continuing with the High Republic. Um, we're going to talk about uh, leading into Thrawn Ascendancy, uh, the second one, which I think is called Greater Good. Uh, we're going to talk about what happened last year with um, the, the Padme book uh, that was really good, and you know all that cool stuff. Got a few editorials I've been working on that I'm going to talk about with uh, maybe Grown Ups, maybe uh, Brightburn. Um, mm-hmm. So I got some I got some cool things coming uh, later this weekend, uh, early next week, um, and then we're going to go back to doing regular movie reviews in the near future. Um, so until then, have a great rest of your day.